It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> and now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, we're going to jump right into this uh, here today. Welcome in everybody at uh, the big top of the hour here on uh, another just gorgeous day. We're going to have a string of them. It looks like rain's going to get out of here before the... Uh, game kicks on Saturday. So that's some good news as far as the Pirates and the running Bulldogs of Garner Webb go. All right, let's uh, take a look at uh, our Pirate Report, as you just heard there. By the way, it's Doug Martin going to be with us today. So uh, we'll go ahead and get uh, some comments from Coach Houston played for you here. Coach uh, spoke yesterday to the media. We uh, gave you the response in its entirety, not edited for sensationalism. Uh, with the uh, response to the John Gilbert uh, letter. Uh, but this is uh, Coach Houston on the uh, sensational 17-year-old Antoine Jackson who made a heck of a pick-six play in Boone. The Marshall week, he had a great week of practice, and he didn't play against Marshall. And, you know, the thing to, to, that Coach Jules went back to him is, okay, you had a great week of practice, okay, do it again. You know, let's be better this week. And he had an outstanding week of practice last week. And, you know, it, going back, I don't know, it was probably a week and a half or two weeks ago, and I, I had a conversation with him. I said, okay. I said, there will be a time where you're going to be on that field playing for us this year. You know, and when you get out there, you can't, you can't go out there like a 17-year-old freshman. You know, but the reality is he's a 17-year-old freshman. So that's, you know, you're talking on both sides of your mouth there. Um, I thought he did really, really well when he got in there. I did not think the stage was too big for him. Um, the pick six, you know, yeah, yeah it was a, a really good defensive call. But I've seen a lot of I've seen that call several times this year where we didn't make the play, and so I do think there's something to the fact that it wasn't the moment wasn't too big for him and he made the play. All right, uh, more from Coach Houston. Uh, he talks about this Gardner Webb team, which is uh, really a team that uh, has some quality up front, the defensive line, and their offense is one that uh, likes to play with a lot of pace. It could be tough to go against. Garden Webb is a uh, very talented, older football team that has had a lot of success. Uh, this group won their conference championship last year. They have played very, very well in, uh, in ball games like this, including the opener this year against Appalachian State. Um, expect it to be a tremendous challenge. Uh, our players have uh, really responded well the last couple of days. Um, you know, they're determined uh, to continue to push each other to work to improve. All right, and a little more now from the uh, ECU head coach, Mike Houston. You know, uh, obviously going up to Michigan was going to be a tough putt. We all knew that. Uh, and they actually had leads, uh, leading the fourth quarter to Marshall. That's what I think uh, is, is so frustrating is the way that that game went from a lead to uh, in favor of Marshall at the level it did. It ends up being a three-score game. And then Pirates led in the uh, first or at halftime in Boone, but they couldn't really get anything going 
offensively enough in the second half to to give the defense in the third quarter, a, you know, an ample break, and then you have a couple defensive scores in the game, and defense has got to go back uh, out there anyway. Uh, Coach was asked about having those leads in uh, the uh, last two games and it's slipping away from the Pirates. All those things are what uh, right now is keeping us from consistently, you know, playing at the level, you know, throughout a full four quarters uh, to be able to get the win. And so, uh, you know, you address each of them individually, but the big focus has got to be, you know, in what we're doing on the practice field, you know, Sunday, today, tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, and uh, my big focus is, you know, our coaches. We've got to continue to, to to teach and instruct, and you know, make sure that we're putting the players in the very best situations so that they can be successful. I know that the players are very motivated to be successful, and so we got to, you know, right now our big focus is on us, and, and we got to, you know, keep working together and uh, keep putting in the effort and. Uh, and, and push ourselves to improve. And that's, that's the big focus for today's practice. You know, we got to, you know, make sure we have a great Tuesday practice. And that sets us up for success on Saturday. Comments from yesterday from Coach Houston. We're playing them for you here today on the Patrick Johnson Show. One of the things that uh, Coach said that, uh, or that's just a fact, is the penalties. And that a lot of this, to a degree, has been self-inflicted. Uh, and, and that's the mark of a, a young team. And that's a mark of, a team that needs to get a little more disciplined. Uh, I mean, double-digit penalties, 11 of them in Boone. Uh, and uh, how can that be prevented? That seems like that's uh, kind of a recurring question here. So uh, we'll see how Coach answered it uh, Tuesday this time around. Uh, you know, there is there is some discipline penalties, and we had fewer of those. Okay, we only had a couple of those this past weekend. But still, you got to eliminate those. There's no, there's no point, uh, you know, I always tell the, the players, the pre-snap and the post-whistle penalties. Those are the ones you can't have. You know, the fault starts off sides and anything after the play is over. You can't have those. And so that's, uh, that's something that you got to we've, – we've done a good job of eliminating those. We still had a couple last week, so you got to eliminate those. Um, you know, you had a couple on Saturday that's just, you know, out of pure effort uh, and, you know, understanding, you know, when, when to do something, when to not. You know, we had three intentional grounding penalties on Saturday. And certainly the uh, the intent was there to get us out of a bad situation, but you know there's there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. So yeah, it's addressing all of them individually, and you you address them all throughout the week with everything you see on tape. Uh, and we got we got to cut down the self inflicted errors. That's the big thing right now. Uh, and uh, Coach Houston asked about Tyler Savage's uh, injury status. You asked specifically about Tyler. Tyler's probably still a, a few few weeks away, um, and I hate hate that he's in this situation. But that's just you know one of many guys that are dealing with some stuff. Yeah, and uh, that's part of it too. I mean, you have an offensive lineman that uh, played last year, started last year, that's uh, out still following surgery. So I mean, there's when we say there's new faces, it's not just uh, a golly gee whiz line. I mean, there is uh, there are a lot of faces who have not logged any significant snaps uh even though they have been in the program and, and these are the growing pains uh brock spaulding is a guy who seems to be getting better and better as uh he gets uh more time on the field so uh coach was asked about that and he talked about the versatility that spaulding brings to the team you know brock's a young guy uh who i think uh he has has a lot to him uh the best thing I can say about brock is just that i, I trust him 
And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to make some mistakes every once in a while, but he's not going to make many because he's a pretty smart player. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the more, the more opportunities he has, I think the more things he's going to do to help our team. All right, so uh, one of the big questions through the first uh, quarter of the season is the quarterbacking situation. This is Mike Houston uh, with the evaluation on the QB situation. Obviously, Alex did a lot of really good things on Saturday. He also had some mistakes. The one thing I know about Alex is he's going to learn from his mistakes. You know, he is, he is going to be better the next time he's in the exact same situations. Um, and, you know, he came in, watched the film on Sunday, and, you know, he's beating his head over a couple of things that went on the field. Um, you know, some of it is, you know, on him decision-making-wise. Some of it is a result of, you know, something else in the unit. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I am excited about both Alex and Mason. Um, I would expect that they're both going to play big parts in our program and our team uh, down the stretch this year. But, uh, you know, both of them will be prepared to go on Saturday, and, uh, and I would expect both of them to be better the next time you see them on the field. All right, and uh, Coach asked about what factors will determine uh, who gets the start. I think it is evaluation of what they're doing in the games on Saturday. I think it is evaluation of, you know, how they're doing during the week, and there's a lot of variables that go into that. Uh, the one thing I will tell you is, you know, we're going to do at – no matter what the position, we're going to do whatever puts the Pirates in the best position to be successful on game day. And, you know, we've got to do a great job as coaches of putting not only the quarterbacks but all of our players in positions to be successful. And uh, there's a lot that goes into that too. All right. And, uh, Coach Houston, they circled back around to the uh, Gardner-Webb offense, and this is what Coach had to say about that. It's going to be difficult. I think uh, think they play a great scheme. I think they have – you know, a lot of returning experience guys, uh, and, you know, you watch them this year. I mean, they've, they've been very, very good on that side of the football at times. And so, uh, you know, as far as simulating it, I don't think you can, you know, completely simulate it in practice. Um, you know, it's, but, you know, you do have a little bit of experience from facing UCF, uh, you know, a few years back. Uh, and, you know, you got to be able to replicate that tempo you got to be able to replicate, you know, just all the stuff that they do because they do a lot of stuff. And, you know, they have a, you know, a lot of different uh, formations, a lot of different trick plays, a lot of things you don't, you don't see. Um, and so it's, it's just going to require an extreme amount of very detailed preparation this week and great focus throughout the week and great focus on game day. All right, uh, that's today's Pirate Report. Comments from Coach Houston. We'll uh, have coverage on our socials tonight of the uh, coordinators and more comments from Coach Houston. We'll play those coordinator comments for you tomorrow here on the Patrick Johnson uh, Show. Of course, we have uh, Stephen Igo uh, with Hoist the Colors Radio. That'll be uh, noon every day this week. Uh, Changing the schedule. Uh, and uh, they're going to air a best of Steve Logan on Friday, and uh, we'll be at 6 o'clock, as we have been the last several weeks on Friday. So a best of for Steve Logan, and uh, our little radio clubhouse uh, will uh, head to the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, and uh, I thought we were going to be on live, but uh, I spoke before I confirmed all that. So uh, that's a note from yesterday. We also have uh, for you on Saturday, coverage starts at 3 p.m. in our uh, Fort Game Day 2.0 location. 
And uh, we'll have uh, Trent McGee. He'll be uh, in for me on Saturday. Uh, of course, Joey Football. Joe Sampson will be there. T Cop and Terrence Copper. Uh, the uh, great Stephen Igo will be there as well. So uh, they'll be on the uh, dais for you this weekend. Uh, we'll also hear from uh, the coaches and the players and everyone involved. And uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington will be updating the uh, scoreboard desk on a busy day of college football. All right, let's uh, hit a break here. When we come back on the PJ Show, we're going to talk with uh, Doug. Uh, oh, gosh. Senior moment here. In Doug this, Martin. Uh, in this, uh, Martin. Doug Martin. I was going to call him Doug somebody else. Doug Martin. Jeez, Louise. Oof, Patrick. It's only Wednesday, and you us. had to use your mulligan. Last week, you saved it till Friday. You're using it right around the turn this week. Not a good right. start. That's fine. We need to get we need we need to play the back solid. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's Doug Martin. Gosh, what uh, I blanked on that. I was I don't know what I was going to call him there, but it wasn't Martin. Martin Doug Martin will be with us. Uh, we're taking a timeout. We're coming back with the Patrick Johnson show. Thanks for being with us here. 94.3 The Game. We're also online 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app. Download it today for free. Google Play, App Store, totally free to download. And you get no pre-roll ads before you get to your favorite station. All of our IBX stations are there. The downloads are going crazy since football season started. So if you have not done it, download the IBX Media app today. Speaking of downloads and podcasts, uh, I want to thank my friend Tricia. She had me on the Game Time and the Triangle podcast. That dropped today. If you go to my social media at P Man on Air uh, on Twitter, I've retweeted it. Patrick Johnson on uh, Facebook, uh, something with Instagram. I haven't figured that out quite yet. But anyway, uh, the socials there. I've, I've retweeted it. You can go and listen to our podcast, and I talk a lot about uh, Jay Sonalder and I in the ECU days. All right, we'll be back right after this with Doug Martin. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. All right, uh, we got uh, Doug Martin with us uh, here. Coached uh, ECU's the offensive uh, coordinator. Uh, and uh, then went on to be a head coach couple stops in college now with uh, the USFL's uh, New Orleans team as an offensive coordinator coach is uh, just a retired fisherman at the beach nowadays so that's what he's doing coach how are you what's going on I'm great Patrick it's always good to be up on the uh, Patrick uh, Patrick uh, uh, what's your last name <laughs> Patrick, Patrick <laughs> you deserve that one Patrick, Patrick. I did deserve that, but Patrick Hinton show. Oh God, that's right, that's pretty good. Problems, man. Let's solve some football problems. I want to talk with the uh, Pirates here. You know, led at halftime in Boone, I thought the offense uh, maybe started to get a little bit more of an identity with uh, with Flynn in at quarterback. But you know, in the second half, it just seemed like uh, Appalachian State made some really great adjustments. Pirates couldn't really stay on the field offensively. I think the defense got a little tired in that third quarter, and and we saw what App did in the fourth. 
Well, I think defensively they're playing great football. I mean, scored two defensive touchdowns too, right? So, I mean, uh, I think their defense is giving them about everything you could want right now. Um, I think you're right in the quarterback situation. Flynn, I think, is a better fit if they're going to be a drop-back passing team, Patrick. You know, he sees the field better. He's got a strong arm. He's a little bit mobile. Uh, so, I think he does bring some things to the table there if they're going to go that vein of really wanting to be a drop-back passing team and that being the primary source of throwing the ball. Like I told you before, you know, Garcia to me, he's a guy that would be great in the play action schemes, uh, naked bootlegs, moving the launch point, all those type of things. So, you know, it's a difficult fit. You've got to find out what your quarterback can do and what he's best at. And, you know, people, I think, sometimes think you have to fit players to a system, and it's really the opposite. You have to make your system fit players. And right now, I don't think they've really found the system that's fitting the quarterback situation. And I'll tell you, too, they need to develop some other playmakers, too. You know, last year they had, uh, you know, a ph phenomenal running back. Um, you know, they had two great wide receivers. And I don't see the same talent on the edge out there right now that's helping the quarterback. So you got to develop some of those guys, too. And it'll come with time. There, you know, it's a, it's a long season. There's still a lot of games here left to play. Fans don't want to hear that. And <laughs> they want to yell at us for our, uh, for, for, the fact that they don't want to hear that. So, well, uh, you know, I understand that. that's you the know, tough like part I, of all this, isn't it? It is. And like I told you, Patrick, we went through this when I was there too and, and everywhere else I've been. You know, you you have a quarterback like Aylers, you know, and we had like Marcus Crandall, you know, for four years. And, you know, things are really rolling well with Marcus and he graduates and all of a sudden we have to develop another guy. And then, you know, you get David Gerard and his freshman year, you're kind of a – you know, an average team, we won six, but then he develops and all of a sudden you go on another run. And it's the same thing with them. You have Aylers for a couple of years and he's a phenomenal college quarterback and they're able to make a good run with him. And, you know, now you got to reload. And it, it takes time at this at this level, the group five level and where they are, it, it's harder to go out and get a marquee transfer quarterback. You know, like Notre Dame went out and got Sam Hartman. Well, they can do that because they paid him a million dollars in NIL money. And, you know, East Carolina doesn't have that resource, and neither does most other, you know, teams like them in a group of five. So you have to develop quarterbacks. And believe me, developing quarterbacks, uh, there's an art to it, and uh, very few, I, I think, are, are good at it. Steve Logan was awesome at it, uh, and I learned from him. And, uh, you know, we were able to do it successfully. Uh, Doug Martin, that's right. Doug Martin is on the line uh, with us uh, here as we talk uh, ECU football. What do you? Uh, the defense provides a couple of scores, so that gives you a boost in Boone. And, and I think we all knew Michigan was going to be extremely difficult. Boone was even going to be really, really difficult because App State. If, I mean, it was the biggest crowd they've ever drawn there. They've had UNC in recent years, and Miami come through there where people were on top of. Uh, uh, you know, the concession stand and hanging in trees outside the stadium trying to watch the Miami game. So, I mean, this was the biggest crowd they've ever had. They were amped and they provided a lot of energy. It's just tough to go on the road with a young team and winning college football. I'm not making excuses, it's just the way it is. But defensively, uh, they've been really, really good. Now they've had a couple of, you know, on the back end, some busted coverage in some situations. But what are you seeing, uh, Doug, out of the – pirate defense that really kind of stands out to you when you watch them on film 
Yeah, I, I think that they play really good defense. They last year, I thought they played you know really good defense, and and you know last year was my first year back getting to watch some games in person in the fall, and uh, I've been really impressed with their defense and how they play. I think they got a lot of team speed, and that's carried over to this year. They look like to me they run really well on defense. They get to the ball. Um, they've got some pass rushers. They can put some pressure on the quarterback. And like I say, they're causing turnovers. And well, when you have a defense that can cause turnovers, and particularly if you have one that can score for you, I mean, that that is such a weapon. Uh, really, for them to lose that game, score two defensive touchdowns and lose that game is so rare. You, usually when you score a defensive touchdown, I think it's something like 83% of the time you're going to win that football game. And they scored right. two. So, you know, I, yeah. I think they're definitely in the right direction defensively, and that's going to help them because they're going to play some close games this year while the offense gets going and, and and they'll rebound too. But in the meantime, there's going to be a lot of close games coming up and uh, the defense will help them win those hopefully. Uh, we got uh, Gardner Webb coming in for the Pirates. Trey Lamb, who's got a great uh, family lineage in the game of football, is their head coach. He's kind of brought that Josh Heupel style offense. And we were talking to Coach Houston this week on air and off air. Uh, and, and, and I know you'll know exactly what we're talking about here. They, they're scripting on the sideline. So their first two downs are scripted of every series. And the quarterback, and everybody knows what they're running, so the quarterback's getting what they're going to run next signaled into him when he does the check after the first play, really, to know what they're going to call on third. I mean, that's pretty high-level stuff from, from where I sit. Yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're going to play with a lot of tempo. They, they're going to spread you out. Uh, but, you know, to me, East Carolina, I think when you play teams like that, you've got to be able to get pressure on them. And if you watched Florida play Tennessee, same style of offense uh, last week, Florida was able to pressure Tennessee. And that's the key. If your front four can get in the face and push the pocket and make that quarterback uncomfortable, then, you know, you can slow the tempo down because you can get some three and outs in there. And, and that's just don't let them keep getting first downs. More first downs they get, the more they're going to be able to script, the faster they're going to be able to go. You got to get some stops. And yeah, like you said, I think Florida's kind of provided a a blueprint on how to go after that. And ECU, even though it's a younger team, across the board on the roster, as far as depth, Pirates should have a little more quality depth than what Garner Webb has. But they're really good up front uh, too, defensively. They got some studs and some seniors up there, you know. Coach, is there – is there? I don't think this is the case right now because I think this team's feels like their backs are against the wall. But when you do have that FCS opponent coming in, it's not that brand name opponent. I mean, is, are you apt to have a letdown in a normal circumstance? Uh, I'll tell you, Patrick, I, I hated playing these games. You know, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I think my very first game calling plays in East Carolina, I think, was against East Tennessee State. And that game mm -hmm. worried me more than any game out there because you, just what you say, you don't know if the players are really amped up and taking it as, as uh, you know important as they should, and particularly for the whole game because if you jump out on those teams like that, then there's a tendency really to lull. So you, you get, really got to have your players focused, and it's got to be about you. It can't be about Gardner-Webb or East Tennessee State or anybody else. This game has got to right. be about East Carolina and totally about – and this whole week has to be about East Carolina – and this game comes at a really good time for them, particularly offensively, because, you know, they need to keep developing an identity and find out who they are. And this game is going to provide that for them. They should have a talent advantage in this game. 
Uh, they should be able to protect the quarterback well in this game and get him feeling comfortable and get something established. So I, I think this game comes at a really good time, uh, but these games always worried me because of you don't know how your players are, are taking it. Right. So uh, South Carolina, I, t- I talked to a South Carolina fan this week, and they felt like uh, they just blew it at, at Georgia. Um, you know, are the Bulldogs kind of sleepwalking through things right now? Well, they're kind of the same thing, right? They've got the longest winning streak in the nation. It's probably hard to keep them focused. And, uh, you know, they're still young players. You know, they're college guys and all that type of stuff, but there's still a lot of young players out there. But Georgia, <laughs> I mean, they're slightly below an NFL team right now. You look at the talent and what they have. Right, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, they're, they're starting over with a new offensive coordinator, right? Their offensive coordinator, Munkin, left and went to the NFL. So there's some change there. So, you know, they're going through some transition also at the same time. Uh, obviously, they're doing it faster than a lot of people will because of their talent. But when you lose a key piece of your staff like that, um, you know, that, that makes a difference. But, boy, they still look really good. We got Coach Martin with us here. Uh, just to kind of put a bow on some of the games last week, uh, Florida State stayed at number three. I'm going to see them as uh, they go to Clemson this weekend. They were at BC last weekend and struggled. Um, I don't know how much of that you paid attention to, but what was the reason the Knowles had such a hard time with Boston College, who I don't think is a very good team at all? Right. I think Boston College is struggling. But one thing about BC, when they play that 9-11 game and they honor the young man who died in 9-11, his name is right. Yeah. me, but it's the red bandana game. That game is really important to BC, and, you know, they, they get hyped up for that. So, you know, Florida State walked into a little bit of a buzzsaw there. They kind of slept, walked through the game a little bit, probably took it a little bit lightly. I think Florida State has improved. Um, but, you know, there's still some issues with them. The, the, the Clemson game is going to be really interesting. I think this game will really define if Florida State is, is truly one of those top five teams or not. And I, I think yeah. the quarterback, to me, I know he's getting a lot of hype and all those type of things. I'm not totally sold on him right now. Yeah, I, I, He's definitely a good college player, but I, I want to see if he really is going to be an elite player, and, and I think only time will tell with that. We got uh, Doug Martin with us here. One other thing from – well, two other things from last week. Um, Alabama, South Florida, and, and again, South Florida is probably amped up. I think Alabama's got, ter- got really, really – Major offensive issues. Bama ends up winning because they're Alabama, but you know, does what does this portell for the tide the rest of the way? Yeah, so Alabama, you know, two issues. Number one, just like East Carolina, they're trying to find an identity on offense. They're trying to find a quarterback, and they really haven't mm-hmm. found that guy yet. And like we talked about with Georgia, they are you know starting over with a new offensive coordinator. There at Alabama, also Tommy Reese comes in there and trying to establish more of a you know run game, play action type uh, system that he had at Notre Dame. So definitely some transition going on there. They don't look the same you know, offensively. Uh, I think that one's going to be a struggle for Alabama for a while. You know they're they're not the dominant defensive team either that they've been the last right. couple of years, and even last year at, at times they really, they gave up a lot of points on defense that you don't normally see them doing. And I think part of that is the NFL draft hurts them every year. You know, you, you give a player there right. for two years and he's gone to the NFL, and it's hard to reload that many of those caliber of players. So that's probably catching up with them a little bit too, and, and uh, they've got their own issues. But, 
you know, I mean, Nick Saban has a great way of getting teams ready and making them better throughout the season. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to improve and if they can get the offensive side straightened out. All right, let me ask you a little bit, Doug, about because uh, I got sucked into this late night on uh, Saturday night, uh, Colorado, Colorado State. And, and, I mean, you know, but it seems like now all the vitriol after the 60 minutes thing and, you know, game day and the Fox show all are went to Boulder. I mean, right now, if Dion rubs you the wrong, the wrong way slightly, and you're not, you're, not, if you're not a sports fan and you just rub the wrong way, boy, the, everybody's really, I mean, we're getting think pieces this week. It's just it's crazy. But I guess, you know, Sanders draws that kind of attention, and he's probably, we know he's taken that kind of criticism his whole career in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, I mean, when, when has he not gathered attention to himself as a player? He <laughs> was a player in the NFL with, with the Atlanta Braves, right? Had the big incident there when he was playing two sports at the same yeah. time, all those type of things. He kind of thrives on that. So, you know, whether you're a Deion Sanders fan or not, you approve of the way he's doing things or not, I would just say this, he, he's doing – what the rules are allowing now. You know, college football has changed with this transfer portal and being able to just get rid of players. That's never happened in college football where you could just get rid of players if you wanted to. That scholarship, the only way that you could ever take a kid's scholarship and run them off the team was they are academically ineligible or they get in trouble with the law or something like that. Those are the only two ways you could eliminate a kid's scholarship. Scholarship is a contract. Well, now all of a sudden, in the infinite wisdom of the NCAA, they do this transfer portal without knowing all the ramifications of it. And, you know, players are kind of, you know, careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Once you get the ability to transfer from school to school and go here to there, well, you're going to be treated like a pro player too. And now coaches can kind of force your hand and and get you to move on. And that's what Dion took advantage of the rules. And I, I tell you what, he's done a great job of getting transfers in there. They're a better team. They're not a good team on defense. They're, you know, they're not going to be a top 15 team, I think, when the season is over. Uh, but his son is an extraordinary quarterback. They've got some talented, skilled kids, and they're going to win a lot more games than they won last year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do I like the way it's it, he does it, and the, the, I don't like the way college football is going right now, to be honest with you, right. with all the transfers right. and those type of things. But that's the world we're in now, and it's not going anywhere. You can't put that – genie back in the bottle it, it's here to stay that is one of uh, maybe five or six Colorado at Oregon five or six top 25 matchups this week I mean this is a really kind of big time serious week uh, you know as far as as far as that goes we've already talked about Alabama we've already talked about Florida State to me those two games even though the Florida State game is not a top 25 game but they're going to Clemson who is top 10 caliber talent. So wh- wh- how do you see that one going? Let's start there. The Florida State Clemson? Yeah, Florida State Clemson. Yeah, I, th- I think, again, that's going to depend on Clemson's o- offensive football team. And they seem like they're riding the ship there a little bit now. They're, they're playing a lot better. They're playing with a lot more balance. Again, new offensive coordinator at Clemson that hasn't been there before. So I think there were some rough edges uh, with him starting out. And that now they're kind of, I think, getting their getting a feel for what they're going to be. You know, Dabo Sweeney, I don't think, wanted to change the whole offense. He just wanted a new defense or new offense coordinator for a new voice, but he wanted to keep a lot of the things that he's done. And I think that's kind of been the rub 
between him and the offensive coordinator, you know. Uh, right. So they're kind of getting that worked out now, and they look a lot better. So it's going to depend on that. They're going to play good defense. Florida State's going to play good defense. Um, I think that game probably will come down to, you know, whoever can make the most explosion plays because you're not going to be able to drive the football, you know, 80 yards all day against those two defensive football teams. It's going to be whoever can create the explosion plays to probably win that game. Can Alabama muster enough points to keep up with Ole Miss even though they're at home? Uh, they can. Uh, you know, certainly they've got players, um, but they're going to have to score points. Yeah, you know, they're going to have to get points on the board. I think that's why they went back to Milrose as the quarterback because he at least gives them the ability to run. You know, he, he can make plays with his feet. He can extend plays. Uh, he can scramble around until somebody gets open. The other two quarterbacks obviously showed last week they can't do that. So, in my opinion, that you know, they should have stuck with him last week. But I think he's the quarterback that gives them the best chance to create plays. And you'll be interested to see if he can do that this week. Doug Martin with us. A couple more here. Uh, we talked about Colorado. Do they, do they suffer their first loss at Oregon? Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. I, I don't think they'll be able to stop Oregon's offense. And, again, Colorado defensively is not a good football team. You look, they've given up points to every single team they've played. Colorado State is in a rebuilding uh, situation there. I know the coaching staff there very well. And, uh, you know, so they, they are not anywhere near the talent level that even Colorado is. And they were able to put up quite a few points on them when they have them against other people. So, yeah, I think Colorado's got some definite problems on defense. And I'd be surprised if Oregon doesn't win that one. Can UCLA upset Utah? You know, it's a top 25 deal. Yeah, I, I, I love Utah. I, I tell you, I, I love the way they play football. Uh, you know, <laughs> Coach. Uh, Coach is a great uh, – he just has a great way of establishing an identity there at Utah. You know, they never change. They're going to be physical. They are going to run the football. They're going to pound you, and then they're going to throw a play action passes over your head, and they play great defense. But but they have an edge to them. They're always kind of like the underdog. Nobody talks about them very much, and they kind of wear that as a badge of honor. And they are a scary football team to play. So, yeah, I, I think Utah will win that game. The nobody wants us bowl. Fourteenth ranked Oregon State, twenty first ranked Washington State. <laughs> you, you know Oregon State. You know Coach Smith and the job he's done there. Man, what a great job! I mean, you know they've been a top twenty team the last couple of years. Nobody yeah. ever talks about them. You nobody talks about them either. And so surprisingly, that surprising to me that if the ACC is going to go that route, that they wouldn't want them also because they've had consistency. They've had great players. They've won marquee games. Uh, yeah, I think they win this one. And, again, just another program that's got a great identity and the, the head coach there has done a great job along with that staff. I'm going to ask you about uh, a couple others here. Uh, I'll save one of them for last. But Iowa, Penn State, top two. I mean, Penn State's top ten. Iowa struggles to score. I mean, Penn State should win that at home pretty easily, right? Yeah, Iowa's so predictable offensively. I, I just I don't see them being able to score enough to beat Penn State. Um, Ohio State and Notre Dame. I mean, this is really kind of the big, one of the big games of Notre Dame's schedule. And this is a big deal early for Ohio State where I think there's some questions too still with the Buckeyes. Yeah, this is a huge game for Notre Dame. I, and I think they're excited about this game. I think Sam Hartman has breathed life into that Notre Dame football program. That was a great get for them out of the transfer portal. And I think of all the teams, you know, that have worked the transfer portal, Notre Dame has been rewarded the most 
uh, by getting Sam Hartman. And I watched him play at Wake Forest quite a bit. My son's on the staff there, so I'm, I was up there. He, he is a really phenomenal quarterback. I mean, he has great vision of the field. He has great anticipation of throws. And now he's behind an elite offensive line, and they can run the football and take some pressure off of him. And he, he's playing the best I've seen him play. I think this game will be a real uh, you know, measuring point for Notre Dame of, you know, are they going to be in that college football playoff uh, discussion or not? And uh, this game could propel them there. I, I really like their chances in this game. All right. Uh, great to talk to you. By the way, how did I – mean, last I looked, it was all oh, – pardon me, all Dominion in that game last weekend. What did Wake do? Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'll give Wake Forest a lot of credit going there. Their defense bailed them out. Their defense scored two defensive touchdowns and really gotcha. saved their day because they were struggling on offense for the first time. They were having a hard time in the offensive line. Old Dominion was causing a lot of problems with some blitzes that they just weren't ready for. Getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback took a beating. But I'll tell you what, they played great team football. You know, their offense didn't turn the ball over although they were getting a lot of three and outs and struggles scoring, but the defense bailed them out. And then the offense, when it had to at the end, made plays. And those are one of those games you have to win. The certain games are going to be great team wins, and that was a great team win for them. And then if they can beat Georgia Tech this week, they're 4-0, and that would be a great start for a team that's, again, rebuilding this year. Yeah, and like you said, if they could get to six wins – that Boy, they're in, you know, that, that's a huge game, accomplishment. A great job. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, always great to catch up with you, coach. Uh, Doug Martin with us. I was on a podcast uh, today, as I mentioned, Game Time in the Triangle podcast. Maybe you've got one you'll be coming up on soon. We'll find out. We'll promote it if you. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me, man. <laughs> uh, I'm giving coach a hard time. Coach and I have uh, have, a, have have a lot of fun giving each other a hard time. All right, Coach, good to talk to you, man. Take care. All right. Take care, buddy. There he goes, the great Doug Martin. He's awesome. Love having Coach on. Uh, he's so good. All right, uh, Pilk, I don't want to take up uh, your time here, so we're going to get a break in, and then we're going to come back and uh, fill up the ref Pilkington with a uh, supersized sports update for you in Pirate Report. And then uh, after that, we'll wrap the show up. So uh, a timeout. And on the other side, the one and only Philip the Ref Pilkington. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game a Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. The Pirate Volleyball team opens up conference play tonight at 6 p.m. as they host Wichita State. The Pirates are 9-2 on the young season. Come out to Menji's Coliseum for the AAC opener. Remember to wear your best 90s clothes. That is, it is 90s night tonight. A little programming note for our stations. All of the high school football games we air, including Rose right here on 94.3 The Game, have been moved up to Thursday night this week. The Carolina Panthers are without, or were without, quarterback Bryce Young today at practice, and Coach Reich spoke after practice about it. Obviously, I know you got the injury report. I'll address the obvious that, you know, Bryce was listed as a projected DNP um, due to an ankle. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he is tomorrow. Um, but that's all the update I have for you right now. Staying in the NFL, the Browns have signed running back Kareem Hunt to a one-year $4 million deal after they lost Nick Chubb for the season in Monday night's loss to the Steelers. The 28-year-old was with the Browns starting in 2019 all the way through last season. Chicago Bears have announced today that their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, has resigned. He joined the team last season and said, quote, I need to step back to take care of my health and family, end quote. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. We'll be back to wrap up the PJ Show after this timeout. 
Dan Patrick mornings. Adam Gold middays. And Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. All right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. All right. Uh, welcome back in. Uh, good to have you with us uh, here as we get ready to uh, conclude the uh, show here uh, today. Um, Pilk, uh, did you see the um, did you see this uh, proposed stadium in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, for the Tampa Bay Rays? No, I've not seen it yet. Okay, so it was announced yesterday the Rays plan to open a new ballpark in St. Petersburg. Uh, they'll do so in 2028. It's part of a $6.5 billion uh, development project. It is a private partner or a private-public partnership. So uh, the Rays themselves are putting some money into the stadium and uh, the city of Tampa and the county down there and all that. Uh, and the, the taxpayers are footing the rest of the bill. But it's going to be a dome stadium, which obviously makes sense in Florida. Um, but it's going to be 30,000 seats. And that seems like a good amount for that franchise. And I don't know if I'm, I'm looking at the markups of it right now. And uh, it, I mean, it is sexy. It's a good looking stadium. Uh, and I really like the way they've laid it out. And it looks like it's going to have a little bit of a bandbox feel. There's not going to be a bad seat in the house kind of thing with 30,000. So, uh, yeah, good for the right. You know, there was, I know there was a movement. I don't know how seriously it was taken, but they were serious about it in Orlando trying to get the uh, team to move. Uh, over along I-4 in the Orlando market. But again, I, I don't know how seriously Orlando seemed to get a late start on that. There was obviously talk of going to Montreal, and the Rays had this hackneyed plan of playing games in Montreal. But, uh, you know, I think this is going to work out, and this will. I think this will rejuvenate. You know, the thing that Tampa really has right now, and, and you kind of see this in to a degree in Orlando and, and to a degree with UCF, all the people that go to UCF football games now are young. They've really done a good job of cultivating their young alumni down there. And so everybody who goes there, and while they're not giving a lot because they maybe aren't in a position to afford to give a lot, but they go to the football games are the young alumni uh, down there. I know some of them. And when I say young, I'm talking, you know, maybe like 35 and younger type alumni go to the games. And so I think that's that's been a lot to do with their success and why they're season ticket sales are up, but there is a younger uh, group with all these people who've moved to Florida, people who are making pretty good money as younger people. Uh, I sound like an old man, but you know what I'm saying, that kind of 40 and under crowd. Uh, and they are, they're the ones that are kind of in Moss in a lot of ways going to, uh, you know, they're, they're able to go to Buccaneers games. They're able to go to lightning games. Uh, you know, they go to the soccer down there in, in Orlando. Again, I know some of these people that go to these things from my time down there. And uh, I got to think that this would be the thing that rejuvenates the interest in baseball from younger people down there, I would think. What that helps that they've be been the successful lately, too. Yeah. yeah this is that, the perfect time to do still, it. Perfect time to do I'll it. See, I'll see my guy Peter King, uh, who's older, that is uh, an anchor for CBS nationally, and he'll go down there to a, a raise game because he knows he can get in because there, there's plenty of seats available. And, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's the shame. But that, that 
dome there in Tampa's uh, in St. Petersburg they currently have is a dump Tropicana it's awful but this is Pilk I'd encourage you to google it because it looks great this this markup yeah I've got it pulled I mean, up now and William was raving about how good it was as well yeah I mean how good. great does that look seriously it does it looks fantastic but the yeah. Miami Stadium looks good too and they don't get fans so yeah but the they've they've never done anything to endear themselves to that true community I guess they've won a couple three. world series yeah. yeah but i mean they've not done a whole lot to endear themselves down there and you know that there's the the, the climate in south florida is a lot different than it is kind of in the other parts of the state where people are kind of excited about you know sports teams particularly in tampa tampa gets a knock and not being a great sport but it's it's emerging from at least my observance of it as a really you know good kind of sports market um now where will major league baseball expand because you got oakland moving to vegas so that situation's taken care of i know there's a few votes that have to happen for funding but that's pretty well a done deal uh you've got this coming in 28 to tampa so now all that is settled apparently mlb is going to expand by two where do they expand where's charlotte in that expansion talk is that legitimate serious because as great as their truest park is downtown unless they start taking out streets and maybe some buildings they're not going to be able to expand that thing to be built to major league specifications and that's where you've got to have uh that's where you've got to have a, a stadium in Charlotte. You can't put it in. Where was it before Pilk? You're from out there, Rock Hill or something? Yeah, it was down in Rock Hill, and that was an area that's got the room to expand, but it's just hard to get to, and the attendance no, was Nobody junk. would go to it. Yeah, yeah because it was so like to it. you were at work, and you had to go north or west to grab dinner to then drive south to go to the game, and it just logistically did not make sense. Now, weekend nights, it was solid, but yeah, yeah weeknight, 7 o'clock, not ideal. So I don't think, you know, there was all that talk years ago of we're going to put the ideal place would be somewhere between Greensboro and Charlotte to put a uh, major league team. But I think that ship has kind of sailed. You know, the the, the idea was they could put it in the triad and pull from the triangle and pull from Charlotte, but I I don't know how successful that would be necessarily. I don't think you're getting a lot of people from Charlotte necessarily consistently going to Hurricanes games. I don't think you're getting a lot of Raleighites and Triangle and even to a degree Triad people going to Hornets games. The Panthers are a completely different story, obviously. And then you're talking with MLB, that's 162 games. That's 81 dates. It's a lot of dates to to commit to going to. So, you know, Charlotte maybe could handle it. I think Nashville's certainly in the running. Salt Lake City's being considered. Portland rumbles about wanting a team and then you got montreal up there so i think there's plenty whatever they add though i think the american league and national league are done i think you're gonna it's gonna look a lot like the nfl and how they uh call out their teams when uh mlb does expand to 32 which is coming uh great job today by philip the ref pilkington william welcome to the team he's with us uh doing a great job intern william thanks to doug martin for being with us and zoki tomorrow is scheduled to be on Uh, on the Patrick Johnson Show. See you in the morning at 7 a.m. on Talk of the Town, 1037-96.3. And back here at 5 tomorrow for the PJ Show on uh, 94.3 The Game and all of that on the IBX Media app. Have a great rest of your day.
evening. R&D Brewing is proud to partner with 